Come sit with us at Berean Bible Fellowship. We're about to listen to Pastor Bruce David Bell as the Lord speaks through the truth of his word. Come, come sit with us. We've been told that history has many lessons to teach us. That understanding the struggles in the lives of other people can help us to weather the storms that we face in our own lives. We've been told that we should learn from the mistakes of other people, uh, even from our own mistakes, so that we don't make the same mistakes again and again. We've also been told that who we are today as a society, as a as a nation, as a people, is the result of decisions that were made by other people in the past. And I suppose that uh, to a certain extent, all of these things are true. So there is some value to study history. But in reading the Bible, there is another lesson another lesson for us to learn, and that is this. Even before all of those things in history ever happened, the God of the Bible said that they would happen hundreds of years, even thousands of years, before they ever took place. Only the God of the universe can predict the future. So since that is true, what he says in his word is, in fact, the truth. Even when he tells us what will happen in the future, in our future. So this is a compelling reason for us to study and to believe the truth of his word. And as we come to the first eight verses of Zechariah chapter 9, we have, in fact, a history lesson. But this is history that was predicted by God several hundred years before it ever took place. So not only should we believe these first eight verses, because that's history. But we should believe the next nine verses in this chapter because these are events that are still yet to come. But for today, as we just said, we are looking at those first eight verses and it's a history lesson. Well, it's a history lesson for us Uh, But for those who first heard these words, it was a prophecy of things yet to come. 200 years later, the people saw what God had predicted. And in fact, it came true. But even beyond that, even beyond all of that, this is a picture of what will come in a future day when the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
returns to this earth once again. When he returns as a conqueror. A conqueror who is pictured in another man. In a conqueror by the name of Alexander the Great. The Great, a Greek conqueror. And so we're told in verse 1 by the prophet Zechariah, what I am about to tell you here in these verses is the burden of the word of the Lord. Mesha in Hebrew. This is the weight of the judgment which is about to come. A weight which has been placed on my shoulders. A weight that has been placed on my heart. And a weight which I am about to share with you. Judgment, which will come upon the people of this world because of their unbelief and because of their disobedience. A picture which is seen in the judgment against the land of Hedrach, it says, which may be a way to express uh, the empire of the Medes and the Persians, since Hed, the first part of that word, means sharp or hard, and the second part of that word, Rach, means soft. And the Medes were battle-hardened. Uh, they were ruthless, uh, while the Persians were somewhat softer and easily defeated. And we know from history that in 333 B.C., some 200 years after Zechariah wrote down these words, Alexander defeated the Persians at the Battle of Isis, which is in the area of present-day Turkey. And that battle was a significant battle because it marked the beginning of the end of the Persian Empire. And then Alexander marched south and east, and he went to the city of Damascus in Syria, which was, we are told, the resting place for their judgment. And so the Syrians were also defeated by Alexander. And the Syrians were a, a fearful people. They were a fearful enemy of Israel. So God used a man like Alexander to protect his people from them. Yes, it is true. God can even use the wicked. He can even use the unrighteous to accomplish his will. And many times in history, that is exactly what he does. And as the people saw Alexander begin to sweep through the land, uh, defeating and destroying nation after nation, everyone and everything in his path. It says in verse 1 that the eyes of men 
from all of the nations, especially the eyes of those from the tribes of Israel, knew that Alexander was an instrument of God, an instrument of God himself being used by God. So their eyes, we are told, were toward the Lord as the one who gave those victories to Alexander. And then the city of Hamath, which bordered the Persian Empire, fell. It was destroyed by Alexander. But he didn't stop there. He wasn't finished yet with his conquests. And so he set his sights on another empire. He set his sights on Phoenicia. And the Phoenicians uh, were a powerful ship-building and seafaring people with many merchant ships. And so Alexander came against the Phoenician cities of Tyre and of Sidon. Well, now, Sidon was... Uh, a rather small city, perhaps even an insignificant city. But Tyre, on the other hand, was a large city. It was a city that was full of wealth. It was a city that was full of pride, a city that the people were full of themselves. They thought that they were invincible. After all, they had withstood the Assyrians and the Babylonians. But we're told in Ezekiel chapter 28 that Tyre was also a wicked city because it was the seat of Satan. Satan was the real ruler there. Satan was the real power behind the success of that city. And perhaps... He is the one who is behind the success of cities and nations today. And just like Satan, the people of Tyre were very wise in their own eyes. They were wise with the wisdom of this world. So in order to avoid being attacked, they moved their city from along the coast of the Mediterranean and they relocated it and rebuilt it about half a mile off of the coast of the Mediterranean. And they built a wall around that city, a wall that was 150 feet high. They built for themselves a fortress, it says in verse 3, a stronghold in the sea. And they piled up silver like dust. And they piled up gold like the mire, like the mud of the streets. There was as much silver and gold in that city as there was dirt. And no one was able to breach the walls of that city. So they believed that no one could conquer them. The way that some people, some nations believe that no one can conquer them, that they are invincible and they will never fall. But behold, it says in verse four, 
The Lord will dispossess her. Yaresh in Hebrew. He will take possession of that city and cast all of her wealth into the sea. And she will be consumed. Ahel in Hebrew. She will be devoured. Devoured with fire. Esh in Hebrew with flaming coals. And the Lord chose to use Alexander the Great to accomplish that task against those wicked people. So for seven months, Alexander gathered rocks and debris and rubble from the old city of Tyre, and he built a causeway from the coast all the way to that island. A causeway that was over a half a mile long, and he marched his army across that causeway, and yes, he defeated the army in the city of Tyre. And we are told in verse 5 about the reaction of the people to this. The people of Ashkelon, a seaport city of the Philistines, another wicked nation, In the Mediterranean, they saw what happened. And when they see these things, they will be afraid, it says. Yare. They will be terrified because they might be next to fall. And Geza, a stronghold, a powerful city of the Philistines, will twist and turn in great pain and in anguish because of Alexander. Oh, and uh, the Philistine stronghold of Ekron will not stand for her expectation, mebat in Hebrew, her hope of survival will be confounded, bush in Hebrew. She will be crushed and put to shame. And in addition to that, it says, the king of Geza in Philistia will perish because he will resist the power of Alexander. And that is what happened. This is what came to pass 200 years after Zechariah wrote these words. And we know from history that Alexander had him dragged through the streets by his feet with spikes driven through his feet until he was dead. And Ashkelon of the Philistines, which was a center of pagan worship and perhaps even of human sacrifice, we're, we're told it will not stand and it will not even be inhabited anymore. It will become desolate. And a mongrel race, Mamzaya, scavengers, a mix of Gentiles and Hebrews will dwell in the city of Ashdod. And it says in verse 6, the Lord will cut off and destroy the pride 
the arrogance of the Philistines forever. And I will remove the blood from their mouth, he says in verse 7. The blood that they drank as part of their pagan worship of their pagan gods. And I will remove the detestable things from between their teeth, he says. The sacrifices that they ate as part of their pagan worship of their demonic idols. Then we're told in verse 7, some of them, some of them from the nation of Philistia will repent of their sin. Amazing, isn't it? They will turn to the Lord. They'll turn to the one true God. And so they will become a remnant, we're told, from among the Gentiles for the glory of God. And they will become like a clan in Judah, welcomed as fellow believers in the one true God. And Ekron, that stronghold in Philistia, and another name for the people of that nation, some of them will become like the Jebusites, we're told. And who are the Jebusites? These were the people who were in Jerusalem when King David conquered that city, and he welcomed them as a remnant of Gentile believers into the nation. But the Lord says to the people in Jerusalem in verse 8, even though Alexander will conquer the Persians, even though he will conquer the Syrians, even though he will conquer the Phoenicians, even though he will conquer the Philistines, he will not conquer you. And remember, Alexander was not even born yet. So the Lord says in verse 8, I myself will camp around my house. I will protect Jerusalem. I will protect the temple. I will stand up for my people against the army of Alexander, who will pass by and who will return. And that is exactly what happened. Alexander sent word to the people in Jerusalem that he wanted tribute money from the temple treasury. But the high priest refused to send that money. And so Alexander said that as soon as he was able, he would return and he would destroy Jerusalem and burn it to the ground. But as he approached the city, something amazing happened. The high priest and hundreds of priests from the temple went out to meet him and they were dressed in their white robes and they welcomed Alexander into the city. And Alexander said, while he was in Macedonia, he had a dream. And in that dream, he saw that procession of priests. And so he bowed down to them 
out of respect for their God, and he passed by the city of Jerusalem, and he did not destroy it. And then at the end of verse 8, we have a, a transition. A transition that will carry us into the next verses. We have a prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth to set up his kingdom for a thousand years. And so he says, no oppressor, nages, no taskmaster will pass over you anymore. For now I have seen enough of your affliction with my own eyes. And so now your affliction is over. Alexander the Great was not only used by the Lord to save Jerusalem, to save his people, but he was used by God to picture what is to come, to picture the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the conqueror, who will return to redeem his people. Amen. You've been listening to Bruce David Bell, pastor of Berean Bible Fellowship. If the Lord has ministered to you through this message and you would like more information, then visit us on the web at bbfva.org.